Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Millsoff, features editor at Billboard and musical theater expert here. So it's pretty hard to go through life as a musical theater fan and not encounter Fiddler on the Roof at some point. For many of us, it's one of the first shows we see, if not one of the first shows we actually get to act and sing in if we have high school drama club in our past. Uh, I, in fact, was in Fiddler in high school. I was an anonymous daughter, an incredible starring role. Um, And that's all pretty amazing, considering how far the history of the show reaches back, not just to the early 1960s when it was first performed on Broadway, but all the way back to the early 1900s, during which the story is set in the Pale of Settlement in Imperial Russia. On paper, it's kind of incredible that this show has reached such a wide audience. It's based on stories by the Yiddish author and playwright Shola Malechem. And in its humor and its subject matter, it is, of course, a very Jewish story. But in theater, as in, I think, many different forms of art, often the more specific or niche a piece actually appears, the more universal it ends up feeling to an audience. And that was clearly the case for Fiddler. Of course, the instantly hummable and now iconic music and lyrics by Jerry Bach and Sheldon Harnick help. If there's a way to make Fiddler feel even more specific, it would be to perform the show in the language that the people in the fictional town of Anatevka would have spoken, Yiddish. Yiddish would not maybe seem like the most naturally musical of languages, for those of you who haven't heard of it. Um, It was the historical tongue of the Jews of Central and Eastern Europe. It fuses elements of Hebrew, Aramaic, German, and some Slavic languages together, though it's written out in Hebrew. Um, All of those languages have a lot of difficult to pronounce and very guttural sounds, as you will hear me discuss shortly. And yet, thanks to a new production off-Broadway right now, it is now the language of Fiddler on the Roof. It's been getting rave reviews since starting way off Broadway at Manhattan Center for Jewish History this past summer for a few key reasons. 
One Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish is directed by Joel Gray, who I like to personally think of as a national treasure. He is certainly an icon of American theater, best known uh, for playing the MC in the original production of Cabaret, both on Broadway and in the film, uh, among many other huge theater roles he's had. He has also directed. Um, I saw the incredible recent revival of the play The Normal Heart that he did on Broadway. The cast of the show is truly Broadway caliber, led by Steven Skybell as Tevya. And there is something about the show as a whole, maybe because it's performed in the language these characters would have actually spoken, which, by the way, is projected on the very minimal set. It's very easy to read if, like most people and like me, you don't actually know Yiddish. It's probably the most emotionally powerful production of Fiddler I've seen yet. So I was really thrilled to have Joel Gray, Stephen Skybell, and cast members Rachel Zadkoff and Ben Liebert, who played Seidel and Mutzel the Taylor, on the podcast this week to talk about how they've turned this show into an unlikely hit. So who are you people and what is your relation to Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish? <laughs> Anyone can start. <laughs> uh, I'm Rachel Zatkoff and I played Seitzel. Steven Skybell and I played Tevye. <laughs> uh, ben Liebert and I play Muttle the Tailor. I'm Joel Gray and I don't play anything. <laughs> but I watch <laughs> carefully. <laughs> Some he, people would call him a director. He's our director. He's our fearless leader. True. Excellent. Well, I was telling Joel a little bit before uh, when I was waiting for you all to arrive that I uh, I went to see My Fair Lady last night actually and ran into a friend and we were talking about shows we had seen recently and he said, did you see The New Fiddler? And at the same time, we both just clutched our chest and gasped <laughs> in terms of our reaction to the show. So obviously, I mean, the show is so powerful and so wonderful and I've been just telling everyone I know to go see it basically. So I'm thrilled to have you all here today. Thank you. So I want to talk, uh, starting from the beginning, which would make sense. Joel, this kind of started with you. Can you tell us sort of where the idea came from and why this was a project you wanted to sign on for? About a year ago, I got a call from Zalman Molotek. Can you say that? Zalman mm. Molotek. You can't Very say good. it on the radio. Can I feel we like all say it together? <laughs> Zalman Molotek. <laughs> I think he'll be very pleased. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like vowels are very important in the yeah. script. <laughs> and he has been running the Volksbühne, the Jewish theater, for many, many, many years. And uh, he had this idea to do Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish that had never been done in this country. It was done right after it played and opened here in the 60s and played in Israel only. And um, my understanding is that it played in Hebrew and in Yiddish, and they couldn't stand the Yiddish because I think Israelis are of a very, very independent, wanting to create something very, very new. Mm -hmm. So nobody came to see it in, uh, in Yiddish. But it was a success in in Hebrew. And I don't know whether there was ever any possibility of it coming to New York. I never heard of it. But he somehow persevered and got the rights. 
And he called me and said, I'm going to do this, and would you like to direct it? And I said, um, I don't speak Yiddish, which he was surprised about. Um, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, I don't speak Yiddish, but I love it. And it's a very big part of my background. My father was a Yiddish comedian. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've, I've been around it, but it was never spoken in my home. My mother didn't speak it. And my necessarily, my father didn't. Mm. Uh, so I said, no, I don't understand uh, it well enough to to direct it, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the rest is what we're doing here. Yeah. This is was something that I just, I always loved, Fiddler on the Roof. And I've seen, I think, almost every production. You said you had seen it in Washington, D.C. before it moved to Broadway. Yeah, That's it was the last the last stop before they opened on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hal Prince was a friend, and he was the producer. And so we, we flew down and watched this amazing show. And it stayed in my heart and in my mind forever. So I said, yeah, not really knowing how or what I was going to do except I knew I was going to do it somehow. That's impressive. I mean, starting with the not knowing Yiddish part, because mm. seeing the show, it does not strike me as an easy language to to learn, not even to understand, but to pronounce. And it's it maybe doesn't lend itself easily to music and singing, but I, I don't know. Is mm. that true? No, <laughs> it does. There are a lot of guttural sounds that mm -hmm. can sometimes be a little... Uh, counterintuitive to try and sing and use your voice but now it feels it act, it feels like it's good for the voice to kind of keep the back of the <laughs> keep it you know active did you say <laughs> i did say that would you try it then <laughs> good very nice that's why we're here well that's why we we take your direction very well <laughs> it's the first podcast <laughs> and it's Everyone, all yours everyone's clearing something out of their yeah. <laughs> so how did you start to just approach ba very basically the language element of it both for you having to direct people and then you well, all having to sing the it the first the first thing i had to do was uh find a, a creative team of designers and uh, assistants and people to, to help me forge uh, the point of view that, that I was seeing. And that came very, very easily with great, great friends of mine who work on Broadway. Almost all, almost all of them were Tony Award winners. And we were all doing this for seven cents. And, Precisely. <laughs> yeah, in some eight cents, maybe. <laughs> um, but it was a labor of love. And then we had this audition period, and so many people wanted to audition for Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> what's your first line? Sounds the, crazy now. <laughs> Fiddler off and dach. 
Meshuggah, no? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it was crazy that all these people, yeah. Jews and non-Jews and speakers and non-speakers, all wanted to audition. Hmm. And um, wonderful people. And we ended up with just an outstanding group of, of actors who wanted in and wanted on and uh, studied and had to audition with a Yiddish song. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, the audition process was like uh, unlike anything I've ever had in that the theater goes to a great deal of pre-labor by making all the audition material on sound files for you to listen to everything that you're going to be auditioning with mm -hmm. in Yiddish. And there was a note on the audition material saying, do yourself a favor, do us a favor, listen to these tapes. Like, don't come in thinking you're going to wing it because mm -hmm. that's not going to fly. So it was... It was it was a challenge. It was a challenge. The Yiddish is definitely was a big challenge of, but of not doing this for you. <laughs> it, it was for me. No. <laughs> Wrong. No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, you all can leave. <laughs> what? No, I mean you no. had a sense of it from your background. Well, I ha I mean I had Come studied on. Yiddish, but I ha I couldn't say I was a Yiddish speaker. And I did say to my agent when I was one of those actors saying I want to be in that. Uh, I said to my agent, you tell them, one, I've worked with Joel Gray before, which was true. And two, I speak Yiddish, which was not true. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I felt like I, I mean, I had a little Yiddish. But they, but the other thing is we were, we only had three weeks to put this up initially downtown. Oh, and wow. so we were dancing and Yiddishing and scene <laughs> rehearsing. And we would be cracking our heads trying to memorize these scenes in Yiddish. Mm -hmm. And then we would come into the rehearsal room and Mr. Gray would say to us, okay, let's do it in English. And it'd be like, uh, English, what is that? You know, because and so not only were you trying to learn it in Yiddish, then you had to translate the Yiddish you were trying to learn. So but it it was so beneficial on all levels on locking down the Yiddish, but also knowing what the scene really was about in our own language that we speak. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What songs did you all sing for your auditions in Yiddish? I, oh. Go ahead. I, I sang the, the first half of uh, Miracle of Miracles, um, which was challenging because the the not it, it's as close to a direct translation as it can be, um, but still different words mean different things. And um, I mean, I know I had a, this is the first production of Fiddler on the Roof I've ever done, but but I know I've auditioned for the show, you know, 10, 20 times, something like that. So it was so so wonderful to get to look at this material. You have to look at it with fresh eyes because it's in a completely different language. Mm. Um, I actually, I, I went to the open call where I was just handed um, a, a <laughs> phrase and, and they said, you know, say this. They said it once and I repeated it and I guess that was okay enough. <laughs> um, and then I had those sound files. And then I worked, I was um, friends with uh, Stephanie Lynn Mason who plays Huddle in our show. And I was like, can you help me with this? Can you coach me through it? I'm sure I was one of many people asking folks who had worked for the Who is not before. Jewish. Right. <laughs> right? Right. That's also the good part. Yeah. Right. yeah. But um, she had worked with the folks Bina before, so she knew the drill. Right. Uh, and it was, uh, but to, to get, to be in an audition situation and to get 
notes on something you're like I hope I just said everything correctly um, and then to get adjustments from Joel and then uh, dialect you know speech adjustments from from the from the coaches it's it was um one of the some of the most multitasking you have to, I've ever had to yeah. do in an audition mm-hmm. I had to sing from matchmaker and I've also this is also my first fiddler and I've auditioned for it a hundred million times but I always was in for huddle I had never been in for Zeitel huh. and then they called me in for Zeitel and um, I also had worked with the Yiddish theater two years prior, so I had a little bit of experience with Yiddish. But uh-huh. I, and I had I had some people at the at the audition who I knew coming up to me at the audition <laughs> asking me to read their <laughs> sides to them. Um, <laughs> they're not in our show, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a fun audition process actually. Mm-hmm. So since you all were so eager to sign on, what was the appeal to you, especially since you had worked with the folks being it before? Doing Fiddler on the Roof and it working wasn't with him. The money. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was seven cents instead of six. Right. I've got five. Five. <laughs> yeah, I guess just being doing this musical and working with Joel and yeah. yeah. Just I've I've always loved the show so much. It's the first show my grandparents took me to see, and I wanted to be in it so badly. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean it's interesting because I I have I this is my fourth <laughs> fiddler. I started when I was seventeen. I played Tevye when I was seventeen <laughs> at National Music Camp in Lockin, Michigan, and then oh. I played him again at twenty one at Yale undergrad and then I had a long hiatus and uh, uh, and then I played laser wolf in the most recent Broadway revival but I was I was wanting to play Tevia and um, I just was hoping to one day play him and time was running out to play him age appropriately and so I wanted I when and I've always wanted to do something with Yiddish in my life I just knew the Yiddish theater where there was such a wealth of 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 theatrical music and plays from the heyday in New York City and from the old country. So I always thought in the back of my mind, maybe Yiddish and me would have something to do. And so when, and again, the Volkspina was smart. They put it out on Facebook that Joel Gray was directing a Yiddish fiddler on the roof. And that is how I found out about it. And I called up my agent. I said, did you know Joel Gray is directing a Yiddish fiddler on the roof? My, People went crazy. My People agent were was going like, wild. I haven't heard anything about it. I'm like, well, it's on <laughs> Facebook, so you don't have to look very far. So, um, so it, and then thankfully it, it came my way that I was going to play Tevya. And, and I, I did sort of think, just my luck, I'm playing Tevya in Yiddish. You know, like. Who's going to see Yeah, it? down in the very, <laughs> very tip of Manhattan. Um, but, but when I first read the Yiddish version, you know, just thinking about it, I started to cry, you know. And. And that has been people's experience when they come to the play. There mm-hmm. is something, the the merging of Yiddish and this, what's it called? A chestnut of a musical. It's like people know it in their sleep without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. And then to have it in this language, which was Sholem Aleichem's language, there is some kind of vibration that is that stirs people without mm-hmm. knowing why, I believe. you know. Yeah. And so... 
And it really did begin as a labor of love. That is to say, it was not for the money, and it was only supposed to be a summer gig, and it was the hardest thing I have ever done, uh, the greatest challenge of my life. And so it really was equal labor and equal love. And, and uh, be, you know, the, the fact that it has taken off and people seem to love it and it was extended and extended and extended and now we've moved to, you know, off-Broadway and that already has been extended once. Um, they've added more seats, you know, more blocks of seats for sale. It's it's unprecedented in terms of what I think anybody expected. Mm-hmm. You know what occurs to me is that the Yiddish language in a lot of ways over the years has been slandered. Yeah. And reviled and been a, people are afraid of it and don't want to use it and yeah. It's an anti-Semitism in the deepest sense. Yeah. And I think that people are embracing the Yiddish as a response to what it's – the way it has been looked at Mm. for so many years. All of a sudden, it's a hero. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. And I don't uh, – Yael Friedman, who is the daughter of the gentleman, the the famous Israeli actor who translated into Yiddish in the 60s, apparently when the state of Israel was – and I don't know if this – this is what we were told – uh, Michael Anov, who's an Israeli, told us, or she may have mentioned it, you couldn't perform in Yiddish in the state of Israel until the time that this gentleman made this Yiddish translation was when they finally said, okay, we'll <laughs> let Yiddish be on the stage here in Israel. Mm-hmm. And, but for a while, Israel was not interested in having performances in Yiddish, and it really was, that's then, we're moving forward. Right. And there is something happening. And moving now. away from being yeah. persecuted. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Right. It was part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, was it that it, there was this perception that it was like the language of the ghetto almost? Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it was. But I'll say, I mean, I'll, uh, I know I'm talking a lot, but it is a podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have the best podcast voice, as we established. I, I, right. hey, I'm some Yiddish. No, but the thing about Yiddish that I love, I, that I, uh, you know, as a Jewish person, I love, one is that it is the Hebrew letters, and there is something about it that is very um, um, fundamental. Like it's it's and feisty, it, feisty, and kind of raw, and um, and and it, cheeky, but it, cheeky. But it also points to God in so it, it's very it's it's got Hebrew in it, and it's it's got sort of the whole the lush and hakodesh. The holy language is kind of sprinkled within it. So um, to me, that's a perfect mix for Anna Tefka nineteen oh five because it's these people that are bare bones existence, just trying to get by, but they also are trying to have a connection to the spirit world and their language reflects that I think head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe check out the new documentary Freaknik The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party and don't miss FX's Shogun a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, I was going to ask all of you what you think is added to the show, having it be in Yiddish. And I certainly, what you just said, um, rang true for me that I think that how close the spiritual is to their everyday lives, seeing just the tiny subtleties and some words or phrases that are slightly different. Yeah. Um, and also just, I mean, the set is wonderful and in, in such a minimalist way yeah. really drives home the way that Torah is like the center of their mm-hmm. lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's um, there, always when you go to see a show that takes place somewhere else, you have to suspend your disbelief. You see a show that takes place in France, and but they're on the barricade and they're speaking English, and you just sort of you say, okay, that's fine. But there still is that little bit of filter there. Mm. Um, and with our show, with this piece of American musical theater, um, it's an American. It's uh, beloved, it, beloved. <laughs> um, but but when you when you take it and you put it back in the language that the people would actually have been spe- speaking, the the language that Shalom Aleichem wrote it in, um, I think it it you you remove that little layer in the middle, and it it instantly um, brings the audience to that place. Um, hearing these people speak it, and I I don't know, I feel I feel more authentic getting to say these words uh, in Yiddish because I I don't have to put on an accent. I don't have to <laughs> pretend I'm somebody there. I'm speaking the the way he would have spoken. Mm-hmm. Completely. Are, are there sp- specific lines that, I, I mean, I feel like I saw things here and there, but were, can you call out kind of any decisions that are made that really kind of change the feeling of a scene or the intention mm-hmm. of what a character is saying in some way? That was a very good question. Yeah. <laughs> that got us thinking. <laughs> um, Can you write one? Sort of like cross that off over there. <laughs> I mean, he I, needs to be closer to his mic. <laughs> I know in the, the translation. I should be a good boy. Closer get to your closer mic. Get closer to your mic, Well, I didn't want that to be heard. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Crazy like a fox. He's funny, isn't he? <laughs> so the the oh. translation of Miracle of Miracles directly in Yiddish, it's um, instead of Wonder of Wonders, Miracle of Miracles, it's Gott sieze Wunder, Nisam Lech Vaniflois, which is God, it's a wonder, miracles and wonders. And and I remember when we were originally working on it, when Joel would say, okay, say this, you know, say the, the lyrics in English, I wasn't saying Wonder of Wonders, I was saying God, it's a wonder. And I think what we discovered was that it's, Muttel gets to talk to God and thank God hmm. in that song over and over again, just like Tevye talks to God the whole time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so that has been, even though the the lyrics that are projected up there say "Wonder of Wonders, Miracle of Miracles," it's mm-hmm. been really, um, it was a, a really cool and unique way to discover this song <laughs> that it's that it really is a trio between Muttel and Seitel and God. Hmm. See, that was a very good answer. That well, is a very, very good, good answer. answer. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. You get a this is the first star. I've heard of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 
Well, you see, Ben's a director, too. Okay. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> right? directors. Yeah, but that's what I meant. I mean, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your interpretation of Tevye Steven because I feel like it's, it is very – in subtle ways, it's very different from what I've seen. And I think that there – we're very used to seeing a goofy Tevye who's like – comic relief for a lot of the show uh-huh. and I, I see your Tevya as much the thinking side of him mm. comes through much more the sort of like day-to-day philosopher side yeah, yeah yeah and I didn't know if if doing it in this other language is part of well informing I mean, your interpretation I didn't think I had an answer like Ben had because his answer was so good but I do have something <laughs> similar <laughs> which is um in I mean, again no disrespect to the Broadway English version because it is the the foundation for and what this complete. is. Yes, right. But Shraga Friedman did intersperse some other things. And and one of the things he did is that uh, usually Tevye in the Broadway, it just feels like he kind of doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to scripture, mm-hmm. you know. And and Shraga Friedman added like Rashi and, you know, the, the Medrash Rabbah, like just calling these books of the of learning and these commentators just show it just shows you that Tevya is is a little more knowledgeable than just oh, I'm a goofy guy and I listen to it, but I don't understand it. He really mm-hmm. seems to want to be a a Talmud Chacham, you know, and and has the has the language to to be like that, and that that was a, a guidepost for me in reading it. That he's not he does he may not always get it right, but he he really believes and he's trying to get it right, um, and uh, so that kind of increased my admiration for the the. Torah scholar that Tevya yearns to be, that he says in, in Rich Man, if he had the time, he would sit in shul and he would study the Torah and the Talmud. That would be the best thing. Um, I, I believe that in him. Mm-hmm. And that must in, like sort of in turn inform your interpretations too, since so much of what you're doing on stage is reacting to him mm-hmm. and interacting with him. Yes. Um, I think that Saitel's – a lot of people always say that she's a reflection of Golda and has the strength and sternness of Golda. But I actually think she's a lot like Tevya and full of life and um, she knows what she wants. I think a lot of it comes down to – you know, and I get to – I have the great – uh, joy of watching Stephen and Rachel and this remarkable cast, but watching what Stephen does every night. And I think a lot of it comes down to what Joel set for us from the beginning, which is just take away the, you know, the set has taken away the trappings of a big Broadway show. Mm-hmm. We don't have a big old house that comes on. Um, the the costumes are stripped down. Everything is very stripped down. So, so the conversations we would have were about finding the simplicity and the honesty and the um and the humanity of these people and and it's and the thing i i am most i most admire from you Stephen, is just how funny you are when cuz he's a brilliant comedian but it always comes from such such an honest place and absolutely what Tevye is going through and i think that's why um he's so successful mm. and and so heartbreaking and um you know he he's leading this company and we get to we get to follow in his wake and 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 take his his lead as this just simple 
beautiful storytelling. We call him a national treasure. Good Lord. <laughs> you guys <Me> stop. <laughs> Two national treasures. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I mean, Joel, obviously you signed on for this project very quickly, sort of. It's, it seems operating from your gut. Was there a moment when you or any of you were like, wait a minute, Fiddler and Yiddish, are people actually going to get this? Or were you just convinced from the outset it's Fiddler, it'll work? Uh, yeah. The minute I we had a reading and uh, listened to the score in Yiddish, I knew. I knew it was good. Yeah. I mean, and again, when we started, it was at the Folkspina. So it, mm -hmm. it, and the thing I had been told is that the audience won't have qualms about correcting your Yiddish. If your Yiddish mm -hmm. isn't perfect from the stage, they'll just scream at you what the per <laughs> correct pronunciation is. <laughs> yeah. oh so it, so it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily concern like, oh, they're not going to like it. They're not going to come to it. That's like they're going to come to it. But will they, will they accept Scream. us as Yiddish speakers? So, mm -hmm. so I think we all survived that. I was worried about that. Yeah. Mm. And I was ready in the back of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> but then the amazing thing, to of course, my which has happened is that, I mean, our poster child for the Gentile who gets – this Yiddish fiddler is Christine Ebersol, who has who came twice to see it downtown oh, and was a basket case after <laughs> each time. And she she bubbly through tears <laughs> told us she she didn't understand a single word of it, you know, like because she doesn't speak Yiddish and she's not Jewish, but it went right to her heart. And I had a lady just the other night at the stage door tell me that she had there were some Indian people next to her and some uh, Japanese people in front of her and all of them were crying at it, you know. So, there, I mean, and we know that. The thing is that it's Fiddler on the Roof. So it has stood the test of time and it has already shown that it transcends um, borders in terms of cultural identification. So there is something magical about it that the more it goes into its Jewishness, it resonates worldwide. Mm -hmm. It's to me a beautiful thing because um, – you know, no one has watered it down. It's been it's as it's now as Jewish as Jewish can be. Um, and That's yet right. it's it's having its universal appeal is. And I went back to Shalom Aleichem to read those stories. And I found so much character for everybody yeah. that's not in the Broadway version yeah. mm -hmm. that we finessed. Yeah, yeah. I, I vaguely remember that because I read Tevye the Dairyman in college for like a class. Mm -hmm. And I remember yeah. thinking, wow, this is a little snappy, <laughs> snappier than, yeah. than Fiddler yeah. feels. Yeah. But, but also like thinking about, you know, how would this tra translate to an audience in Yiddish made me think just back to the original Fiddler, what thinking must have gone into having a show that even in English is such a Jewish show. Yeah. I mean, the, I feel like somebody must have been having this similar conversation, like, can a show this Jewish just reach I'm sure a they universal were. audience? You know, and there was even a song in the original Broadway, L'chaim, L'chaim, L'chaim to life. It's like, you know, that that was probably, <laughs> you know, I mean, just... <laughs> How groundbreaking in a way that is, <laughs> that it's a song that just is the, a repetition of a Yiddish word over and over again in a Broadway musical. 
you know? <laughs> and that's the song that everybody leaves singing. Exactly. I, I get a line right. of people who we are well like, <laughs> right. It's, yeah. also, <laughs> it's also the exit music. So, right. To life, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that the, the one song that has some Hebrew in it is the one that everybody remembers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, funny. yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's just funny to think about how young people start with this show. I mean, you were saying you were a 17 year old yeah. Tevya. Oh. I've seen like child Tevyas before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was an anonymous daughter in my high school. Fiddler production. I got to I got to say why not during Tubby's dream. Oh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> One of my great theatrical moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was for you? It was for me. I can still do why not. You could be mistaken. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you used the word authentic before, which I think to me gets to the heart of the question of why is this so powerful? Why is it affecting people in this visceral way where when you ask what they thought of the show, they can't even, clearly I can't even use words. Um, And I think that I'm I'm just curious to hear what you all think. I think that authenticity, period, not related to religion or anything in particular, is what so many people are craving from art in in general right now. And it's in short supply. And you see something like this that just... Authenticity is what it is. Yeah. And you want to be that a part of it. Yeah. 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 Rachel, address oh. that. Oh, okay. Uh, thank, thank you, Stephen. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I think, I think our, sh- the, our show is simple and, and raw and hitting people in a really deep place from the second it starts. I, I know people that have come to see the show that have never seen Fiddler on the Roof and said it seems very natural that it's in Yiddish. And um, I have people who have come to see the show, friends and family that know every word of Fiddler on the Roof, who also feel like this is just meant to be this way. Everybody keeps saying that. It just seems meant to be this way. Mm. And I feel that way. I think it's some of it is more beautiful. Can I say that? Yeah. 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 It's (laughs) pro-Semitism. I also think we're we're not trying to the the show is universal, right? And we're not trying to say something else with it. We're we're letting the show speak for itself and and be universal and speak to the times we're in without hammering home the times we're in. Mm-hmm. You know, um and mm-hmm. and so we just get to come in and do the work and the audience gets to fill in those gaps without us, you know, telling them what to think or what to feel and I think that's why people feel so much um, because they all might feel something different but we, we still get to make them feel yeah. feel right I mean the other thing is that Joel Gray who obviously is a f- fantastic performer uh, is also an incredible director. Here, here. And he, so he, he did was. Did you hear that? <laughs> did I say I heard it? it. I, I saw it. And did I've I say never cried. Yeah. Your last directing effort, I have never cried so much in public before. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And so his, uh, his attention to the detail, the moment to moment detail, scene work, scene after scene, and that is a rare, I, I said this to the, the widow of the gentleman who wrote the book to Fiddle on the Roof on opening night, I, I, that, that, a musical would not uh, written today would not have the scenes that Fiddler has. That is to say, they go mm-hmm. on and they go on and mm-hmm. they go a little more on, and they're <laughs> so complicated and detailed and complex. Mm-hmm. They're great scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so Joel's attention to moment to moment detail, uh, the life, the the simple true life that is coursing through this musical. Um, 
that's a that's joy. so universal. Yes, you're, you know, exactly. That's I think the uh, yes the, the joy of it. But but I am I am pointing to the fact that that like I have had highly theatrically savvy people come to this show and be blown away by the performance of it, the simplicity and the truth of it. And that is what's in short order now a lot is that it's like it, it's not trying to hit anyone over the head mm -hmm. with watch us, love us and be impressed. It's just it's a story worth telling. And it's it's written in a way that is so beautiful and and um What's the word? Tactile? Mm, Tangible? Uh, like could be destroyed in a moment. Uh, fragile. Fragile. It's just... It's just uh, fragile. Fragile. <laughs> What's fragile for Yiddish, anyone? Fragile. Ephemeral. <laughs> and ephemeral, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so that... I mean, so <laughs> Joel really... Um, just as actors has has really wanted us to let it be true, let it be alive and and real. Mm -hmm. And audiences eat that up. Completely. And it's not hitting you over the head in a new way, too, with, like, see how this is relevant in modern times. No. Right. Like, you, yeah. I mean, you you take away from it what you take away from yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you people are delightful. Mm. And the show is, too. So thank you so much for coming. Thanks for thank you. Thank you. I learned so much today. <laughs> it was so good. I can go on. <laughs> Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish is playing at Stage 42 in New York, and it was actually just extended through early September. If you would like to get tickets, you can go to fiddlernyc.com. If you're a fan of the Billboard on Broadway podcast, as always, please Give us stars and nice reviews on iTunes, though we're available on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play, among other platforms. You can always find me on Twitter at Rebecca Millsoff, on Instagram at YouDownWithRMM. You can use hashtag Billboard on Broadway to rave about the podcast on social media and hope to have you back for the next episode. Blah, blah, blah.